A young couple in love, meeting your partner's parents for the first time, an interracial union? All of this can only mean one thing. We're comparing Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and Guess Who on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. Parker and I'm Dan Bulick. Welcome to another episode of Retro versus Remake. This is the series where we compare movies and their remakes. Join us as we answer the question: Should this remake exist? Today's films are Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and Guess Who. Going right into it, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was made in 1967, starring Spencer Tracy, Sidney Poitier, Catherine Hepburn, Catherine Hutton. Cecil Kellaway, Bean Richards, Roy E. Glenn Sr., and Isabel Sanford, directed by Stanley Kramer, screenplay by William Rose, music by Frank Duvall. Guess Who, 2005, starring Bernie Mac, Ashton Kutcher, Zoe Saldana, Judith Scott, Kelly Stewart, and Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, directed by Kevin Rodney Sullivan, screenplay by David Ron. Jay Shrick and Peter Tolan. Music by John Murphy. Okay, Reggie, what is your first experience with either film? Yeah, so uh, both of these films for me are first. Um, I'm very much aware of uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. You know, I knew Sidney Portier was in it. Uh, some of the other people, um, you know, heavy hitting actors too. Uh, I wasn't really familiar with the entire cast, but uh, I knew the general sort of idea of this one. Um, and sort of why this was an important film. Guess who? Because I did know that when it came out, like uh, well, it was around 2005, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm in at this point. I'm in high school. Uh, I like Bernie Mac and stuff like that. Ashton Kutcher was still like actually kind of <laughs> near the height of his star power at that time. And I just looked at it and I said, based on the subject matter, I don't know if like that's the move, right? So I like, <laughs> I never watched Guess Who just because I was like, this doesn't look, you know, I don't know if the word's elevated enough for me to want to compare it to a, like a, a Hollywood classic. So in, in that way, actually, this is a pretty cool experiment because I'm doing both uh, at the same time. Uh, pretty much like you, I knew the original premise of the first film, never had seen it though. Um, I kind of remember the remake when it came out. I wasn't really a big Ashton Kutcher fan. I liked him on that 70s show, and that, that's about it. Like, I didn't like anything he did. Like, I saw, dude, what's my, where's my car? And I was just like, all right, I don't need to see any more movies with him in it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I had just had never seen it, and got saw, I saw both for the first time for this podcast. All right. Well, they are, they follow a similar, similar premise, these films, but they are pretty different. So this is going to be a very brief synopsis before we get into our comparison. A young couple are in love and plan on getting married. They go to the bride-to-be's parents to tell them the news in person. Only thing is, she hasn't told them that it's an interracial relationship. The groom-to-be is worried, but she reassures him her parents will be fine. The couple arrives and the parents finally meet their future son-in-law. The parents are caught off guard, but do their best to seem, well not racist. At first, it's not discussed. 
it comes up often how the parents are very open-minded and definitely not racist. But eventually, the issue of race comes up more and more. The mom seems fine with it, but the dad's resistance grows. Things eventually reach ahead, and it seems like the young couple might not be getting married after all. But the love of the young couple convinces the parents that they will make it, no matter how different their races are. The couple has the parents' blessing, and we have our happy ending. Very brief synopsis. Character names obviously changed. A lot of things have changed in uh, the remake. The number one thing being, I think, since the subject of both movies is race, that um, our races have been pretty much swapped. In the original, it's uh, a white girl taking her black boyfriend to meet her white family. And then in the remake, it's a black girl taking her white boyfriend to meet her black family. So just everything completely reversed. So I guess we'll start there. What did you think about that decision? The original film, like the, uh, the idea of sort of tackling this idea of, uh, of race, you know, in I guess modern racial relations, especially at the time, um, you know, it's a big step, it was a bold move. I don't, you know, there wasn't a lot of, um, my understanding, you definitely didn't see a lot of these types of relationships on screen. And I think that they took, you know, very special, care in how they uh, approach the subject because I mean you're still at a time where people are actively fighting for their civil rights you know there's a uh, segregation is still very much a thing and Martin uh, Luther King still alive still alive at the time in the movie absolutely and you know just beyond that just the idea of uh in what 17 states still like it was it was very much legal to be in an interracial marriage so I mean the implications in this original film are are vast. Uh, this is a very specific um, scenario based on very real racial strife in uh, in America at the time, and you know, it in a lot of ways it's a time capsule. Looking at just, I mean, again, in in the most sort of, I guess Hollywood way to do this, but like it is like kind of peering back into how people um, interact with each other at the time. First, this remake, which, uh, you know, very, very much uh, me and you can remember, like, the 2005s and six, And uh, I think that, you know, like, even in this short amount of time, it's 2020 now, like, there has been, weirdly enough, more strides in terms of normalizing race relations. But I, obviously, like, not nearly as big a deal as the 1967 film tackling uh, interracial marriage. That, that was uh, sort of beyond the norm uh, at the time. All right, so I'll just get into the background slightly of the family of the girl. The, her parents are both pretty liberal. I mean, it takes place in San Francisco in 1967. Now, if you know anything about San Francisco in the 60s, that was a huge just center of like cultural change and everything a lot of a lot of drugs a lot of <laughs> a lot of songs about san francisco in the 60s too so uh, it's a very liberal uh, area and i was surprised um that that's kind of where it takes place that it's these very liberal parents who the movie outright states that they raised their daughter not to judge people um that the white people of white skin weren't superior to anybody yeah, that everybody's sort of on even playing field so they taught her that um that's obviously what she believes um, with her fiance. 
that's not the premise I thought I was walking into. Like I had no idea like who the parents were. I just assumed it was immediately going to be like these racist people who were just like so against um, their daughter dating anywhere outside their race. So I thought it was an interesting take that they just decided to shine the light on a liberal family. And the premise of the movie is, are they going to live up to these liberal values that they sort of taught? So it's, it's a little bit different than what I thought I was getting into. And then you have the remake. We we've made a lot of strides with interracial marriage since the original. I don't know location necessarily matters i mean it does take place in cranford new jersey shout out to cranford <laughs> i used to work at a place called cranford guitar so i'm very familiar with the area but we'll talk about cranford more later sure um so they're on the east coast you know very liberal yeah um, as well i was thinking about like could you do this again with just keeping it like a white family and then just like here's my black fiance and here he is and how would that play with audiences I think it might have been a wise decision to flip the races because I, I feel like if there was any sort of hesitation with like a white family, like, oh, he's black, like immediately the audience is going to turn on them. Right. Like, whoa, these white people, that, that's, uh, they're not my people. I'm going to step back from here. So I think there's a little um, less judgment <laughs> if you flip it like that. So I don't, I don't know. Just if you make it a white liberal family in 2005 and they're still like oh i don't know about that then you're just like mm. yeah <laughs> that, that, that that won't fly today so it i think it they can get away with a little bit more um just by flipping the races that that's just my initial impression i think i think you're right i i don't see how you really navigate this film and you know place it in a modern timeline which they did you know you could potentially do a remake where you you know it's a previous era basically you know like a period piece but it doesn't seem sort of necessary given that like the first film kind of tackled that at a time where it, it mattered right so you're right I think by making uh the race swap it actually does you're right it makes the movie palatable because if you had white family and a black you know uh, person coming to dinner um you know especially in 2005 it's like what's what's their beef you know like they, right. they're just being like racist i guess first like in this black um scenario yeah there's some um, you know there's a little bit of pushback but i think i know because of like different you know again racial strife and race relations that there is a segment of the black population that does sort of like describe this kind of like you know almost like black is beautiful you know staying within your own kind of culture group because of all like the racism and stuff like that that's outside of the group uh, in the first place. So it doesn't feel like malicious um, as it would have felt if it was a white family. It seems more like a preference versus like a hard kind of stop, you know? I don't know if that really makes sense, but- uh, No, that um, makes sense. Yeah. But you know, ultimately like, I think you've clearly identified something which is you can't do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. It, I was thinking just, too, like, could you make it in i don't know like Absolutely. like what if it was let's just say it wasn't on the coast you know where you, like know, South, you know right i don't want i didn't want to be yeah blunt. yeah where people might be a little less you know receptive to something like that could you have made the remake there maybe i, I don't know i think you would have to make the focus more on just like norms of that area right like i don't right. think you could focus only on the fact that like he's a black guy like 
they'd have to be involved in like something specific. Like, oh, we, you know, we do country music line dancing. This guy doesn't know how to do it. But like, even that, that yeah. gets muddy and it, it misses the point. I think that this was ultimately the right call if they, ha if they felt the need to uh, remake the, the film. I mean, anyone trying to touch this movie, you know, you're, you're going uphill like right. from, from the title. It's like, okay, wait a minute. You're trying to, you're trying to go up against uh, Catherine Hepburn, Sidney Poitier, and Spencer Tracy. Right. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just to add to what you said, I was going to mm -hmm. say, um, so not only did they like flip the races, they also didn't necessarily make race central focus in the remake um in and i'll talk with the original first like like i said they're liberal parents so they say themselves oh we don't have a problem right. it's it's what everybody else is going to think you know and you know when 17 states have outlawed uh interracial marriage there's a real threat i mean people sure. did get lynched uh plenty of black men for marrying a white woman or just being with a white woman you know yeah um so it's a genuine threat and it's you know you can understand where they're coming from but i guess the remake just kind of stayed away from making race the central focus they made sort of trust like i don't trust him like he's lying there's something going on there so while race does play a factor into it just just more sort of just some tensions sure. that could probably have been resolved a little bit easier if i don't know if there wasn't that sort of racial divide um so they they're sort of shifting the focus just a little bit in the remake. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. And the more I'm thinking about it, like you're right, race, although it's uh, it's kind of in the forefront, it's kind of the premise of the film. It it does take a bit of a backseat. And as as I'm thinking more about sort of that relationship, and just putting things in the context and like my own you know life and meeting different people and stuff like that. What ultimately thing it comes down to is uh it's a cultural thing, right? Like if you're not used to right. interacting with white people in, in uh, especially in like a romantic way. Um, yeah, you know, first weekend with the white boyfriend, she clearly, she felt the need to like not tell her parents uh, he was white, you know, so there, there's racial tension there, but at the same time, it would be absurd ultimately for that to be like the ultimate deal breaker. And um, as we talk about the films, I think to your point as well, there is more of a focus on the parent, specifically one parent in the remake mm -hmm. um, right. versus in the central film where I think there's more of a split, you know, between like who's important, like the parents come into play, I think more so on the back end of that movie and the couple is more important on sort of like the front end of the original. Um, and, you know, as we talk about the film, that's almost swapped. Like the first character we're introduced to in, in the, remake is not the couple right it's it's the dad so um you know versus the original where the, really the first two people you meet are this couple and before you even really have context as to you know the special problems that they could run into you know if you're if you're not aware of like the racial implication you're just, yeah they're just hanging out you know yeah, here's a couple they just got off a plane and they're gonna go see someone's parents like again as we talk about the characters we'll talk about this but um in you see a stark difference here in the original, which is in their own sort of interactions with each other, that couple, um, this isn't that big of a deal, right? It's like we were saying before, it's everyone else's kind of problem. And uh, the, the reality of like, once you're confronted with, well, now it's your problem. And how are you going to deal with it? Uh, we learn kind of how the parents react throughout the film. So it, 
it's an interesting dynamic. Um, like you said, it's smart to put race more on the back burner in that uh, remake um, while still having it, you know, you need it there, but I don't know, uh, differences, right? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to get to the characters. We're so close, but I just want to get over one other major difference between these two films and that's just sure. sort of their tone or yeah. just pretty much their genres. They're pretty much night and day <laughs> yeah. when it comes to their genres. I'd say the original is more of a drama with a little bit of comedy in there. And then the remake is definitely just comedy. Right. 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 The original definitely is more trying to make <laughs> a statement <laughs> about, this, about this social issue while the remake is just having a little more fun with it. Yeah, I, I would say so. And, you know, there are elements of comedy in the original film. I think you do have to break up the subject matter and, there's some some moments and lines where I'm like, okay, that's kind of funny, right? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, ultimately, like, that film is almost like this day in the life of this very, for especially for the time, this very, like, I guess, shocking, unique uh, moment. Like, it's all so sudden that this, this idea is thrust upon them and they have to react real time with, like, no time to kind of dance around it. <laughs> They, they have to respond to uh, this new thing. So it does just add drama throughout the film versus the remake, which is like, again, if you were wasting, and I say wasting specifically time, worrying about the race of Ashton Kutcher throughout the whole film, um, I don't think it would work on any real level. So look, that's why you cast a comedian, right? Uh, we cast a comedian and we made it a comedy. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you cast uh, Bernie Mac there, so <laughs> it's good casting for yeah. comedians for your comedy. Yep. <laughs> um, do you want to get into the characters? Yeah, because uh, otherwise we're going to be dancing around races more than yeah. uh, these two films do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into our young couple. We, in the original, it's Sidney Poitier as Dr. John Wade Prentice. Joanna and I didn't just meet in Hawaii. We spent a good deal of time together. I mean, all the time uh, after we met. And then Catherine Hewton as Joanna or Joey Drayton. He's so, so calm and, 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 and sure of everything. He, he doesn't have any tensions in him. And then the remake, we have Zoe Saldana as Teresa Jones and then Ashton Kutcher as Simon Green. Did you tell them? What? Tell them what? They don't. What? Did you a cute, I'm clean shaven white pigment challenge? Did you tell them that I'm white? So um, the first thing that jumps out to me, we'll just start with the, uh, the sort of the lead males here um, in the couple. Sidney Portier, Ashley <laughs> Kutcher. I mean, you just look at them; it's like opposites, right? Like <laughs> there is not much similar between them other than I guess gender, um, and that's that's me just assuming too. You know, seriously. Like, <laughs> um, but like it's 1967 right like you mentioned Martin Luther King Jr. is alive um black people are literally fighting for their civil rights there's uh you know they're riding buses through Selma there's uh sit-ins there's uh literal like police brutality dogs fire hoses all the the dark kind of stain on American history it doesn't have to be said it's implied he's black like look at him um <laughs> but what they do here is they made uh Sidney Poitier's character for lack of a better word, he's almost like a black superhero, right? Like the guy, <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a genius, you know. He's uh, he's he works in the uni university as a professor. 
Uh, he's basically a doctor. Um, he has come up with revolutionary ideas for teaching medicine in Africa. <laughs> um, he's gotten, again, immaculate record, awards, respected in his field, uh, despite his race. Um, he's not, he's not cheap. <laughs> he's not, um, he's not like sex hungry. He's like, they make all these choices. Like if, if his uh, girlfriend wants to have sex, hey, hey, hey not, we should wait, right? If, uh, <laughs> if he's making a long distance call, here's the money that, uh, <laughs> took. so like any, it's almost like a checklist to rebut any racist argument, right? It's like, right. well, wait a minute, what about this? And they're like, no, 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 we thought about this. John Princess is a widower, right? So he's been married, he has a kid, well, had a kid, and it's just like, anything you could say about this guy is just shut down because of who he is. He, he more or less is a perfect character, except, and again, because of the, excuse me, the temperature of the time, except he's black. No, it's the only thing you could say negative about him. And uh, that's the problem that you would say something negative about him being black, right? Versus Ashton Kutcher, which is, you know, it's 2005. It doesn't really matter how much you build the guy up, you know, regardless of who he is uh, to an audience, he's going to kind of stand on his own merit, right? Um, without really the race coming into play. So, you know, he's got a good job, right? He, uh, he works at J.P. Oliver, <laughs> um, a J.P. Morgan kind of ripoff. He, you know, he's got prospects, but he's a bit, he's a bit goofy. He's not perfect. Uh, we even get introduced to him more or less losing his good job, which creates tension that um, otherwise wouldn't be there. So in one, one film, you have to build up your black character so much for the entire premise of the movie to work. In the other film, you got to tear your white guy down, <laughs> <laughs> which you don't, but like, you know, it, it helps move the movie along. It's like you tear the white guy down to have a reason for this to not be working, right? It's not that he's white, he's a bum, right? It's not that uh, it's not that he's a genius, he's black, you know, <laughs> like it's a it's a weird inverse and uh um but you know it has to be stated, right? Yeah, I don't know <laughs> where to jump in on that. It is it is weird to have like Sidney Poitier's character is just like he's pretty much like a superhero. Who's the one who said black superman? He's the Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he pretty much has to be a superhero. It just had this, um, like I, I said to you before, he has an immaculate record, quote, and departed <laughs> before we did this <laughs> podcast. There is nothing negative in his character, which is great, but that's, you know, it really <laughs> sets that bar high, man. So, um, I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. He's only, <laughs> he's like famous. He's the Monsignor knows about him for like reading about him in magazines, just like all this amazing sort of work he's done to like help people all over the world. It's, it's like this guy has to be fucking perfect right. <laughs> um so it's 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 almost a detrimental thing because it's like it's like oh he has to be perfect in order to be accepted by this white family uh, you almost wish he did have a couple flaws just so they like oh well it doesn't really matter because like all that really should matter is that how our daughter feels about him at the end of the day so you know it's great to kind of build him up it's almost it's almost too too shiny the armor on it some rust there or something and so like i don't mind like ashton kutcher like kind of you know going the opposite way like losing his job and kind of getting blacklisted and not able to get another job right. struggling there and almost having to get this fifty thousand dollar loan i thought the portrayals were fine it just that immaculate record <laughs> yeah 
I, I mean, the only reason for the immaculate record, right? So that the white parents can't weasel out of this, right? Yeah. You know, look, I, I like the guy, but I mean, look, you don't, you don't have a good job, you know, or um, he doesn't like the guy, put, but put the right number of stamps on an envelope. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, but like uh, John Prince would never put the wrong amount of stamps on an envelope. Yeah. He would Perfect. always know the exact postage. Um, <laughs> in fact, he may hand deliver it, to be honest. Uh, it's uh, it's fascinating, right? Um, the interesting thing about Kutcher, and we'll come back to this, is that uh, losing the job becomes, and I didn't realize this until uh, they basically threw this plot point in there, but like losing a job has something to do with his relationship as well. That comes very late in the movie and to me feels like a bit forced. It does feel a little forced, yeah. <laughs> but you know, to, to, uh, to be fair, like we mentioned, John Prentice, the character himself is forced. Uh, I'll say this, uh, typically when we do this, we compare the actors. Um, just like I said, coming into this, you look at Sydney Portier. <laughs> it's Ashton Kutcher. I mean, Sydney just he blows it out of the water mostly because it's a drama, right? He's not charged with being comedic, but uh, there's some really um, as we talk about this, we'll get into into this more. But there are some really like strong lines and strong portrayals. I mean, the acting is is pretty damn good in this uh, original film, all things considered. And Ashton's, you know, he's doing his job. But like, doesn't hold a candle to John Prentice. I mean, that character's, <laughs> you know, like you say, it's Idris Elba. <laughs> um, and, you know, for for very good reasons, Ashton Kutcher is kind of, we're breaking him down. We're punching down on him because, uh, you know, we're going to have a little bit of fun with this uh, this white character mm-hmm. in this film. You know, it's, it's interesting, but, uh, you know, even with those two sort of characters, I think you almost have to talk about the... Uh, the female lead, like the uh, the love interest, as it were. Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to say one more thing about Ashton. Or I guess oh, yeah, I'll just. Ahead. I mean, Sydney Poitier, Sydney Poitier doing his thing. Um, it's great. I just I'm not a big Ashton Kutcher guy. And then like when the movie started, he's doing that stupid bit where he's like yelling at himself in the elevator, like going up and down. I'm like, if the whole movie is gonna be like this, I'm not on board. Right. Thankfully, the whole movie is not like that. So I'll say Ashton Kutcher was definitely serviceable. I'm not an Ashton Kutcher guy but I was able to tolerate him for this whole movie. And that's, that's a very high praise coming from me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Ashton Kutcher, especially at that point in his career, has mostly been just like kind of stupid, like right. almost like stoner, like slapstick comedy type stuff, you know, like uh, Zoltan, you know, um, all that. He, he was a goofball. I mean, I think the only other serious Kutcher movie I've seen before is sort of his rebrand since he's done like a, like a Steve Jobs type character and stuff like that would be the butterfly effect, which, yeah. you know, that's not a great movie <laughs> either. But like, I, I agree with you on this, that he, he shows decent range here. Mm-hmm. Um, he serviceable is the exact right word. He gets the job done. I'm not taking any marks away from him because I actually more than, I think a lot of actors could have, he actually navigates this premise and uh, script pretty well. Yeah. Um, but you know, not Sydney plus he <laughs> not. I think that because ultimately these films are about romance and couples and things like that, you can't even talk about the two leads without talking about their uh, their significant others. So I think uh, we can get to that phase. Yeah, like I said before, uh, the original we have Catherine Hewton as Joey Drayton, and then the remake is Zoe Saldana as Teresa Jones. For me, right, the first thing that jumps out at me 
is Joey Drayden and just kind of her naivete, right? Yes, like, very much so. Hy- hyper innocent, like no clue <laughs> as to, you know, the scenario that she's gotten herself in. It does come to play because when, uh, when Dr. Prentice has his kind of like secret conversation with the parents later, he's like, look, come on, let's cut the shit. I know it, you know it. Like this, <laughs> like, this isn't gonna work unless you guys are on board. And uh, she just, again, this ultra liberal kind of like rich, you know, background, she, her head are, are just completely in the clouds. She yeah. thinks that nothing could stop them. And that's very much untrue. <laughs> um, so that, that to me was the, the lead um, character trait of, of uh, Captain Houghton, Joey Drayton. Yeah. Also, she's a lot younger than the doctor. She's about 23. Well, yeah. he's 37. You had mentioned that he had already been in a marriage and had a child um, who both passed away. So there's a huge age difference. That's pretty big, significant, yeah. 13 years. And which I'm surprised. Um, was never really brought up as like one of the negatives um right. that could possibly be like well she's a little young she's never she's, she might be rushing into this like like we said she's a naive character and then her youth could definitely play into that naivete so it's like i'm really surprised it just wasn't brought up um that often yeah you know i'm not 100 percent sure why the major age difference i think probably just the restrictions of uh all right, we got to make this guy a little bit older to have all these accomplishments. Right, yeah. Um, and I think in in a way, you almost have to make her a little bit younger so that she's this naive, right? Right, um, and then maybe just so that what her parents say has a little more weight because that, she is so young. That that too, you're right. Because the parents are, honestly, in a lot of ways, they are the mouthpiece for her right. um, and do have a, a lot of influence over her life. Um yeah, if she was 37 and they're still telling her, like, you can't get married. It's like, yeah, I'm fucking 37. <laughs> Later. <laughs> All right. right. There's even a line in the, uh, in the original film when uh, they get to sort of kind of like the dramatic kind of ending um, where Spencer Tracy was like, he's like, shut up. This is the last time I'm probably going to be able to <laughs> tell you what to do, but uh, just listen, you know? So, yeah, you're right. It, it makes her parents' influence elevated because she's so young like yeah Mm -hmm. of course they still listen to her like she kind of like more or less lives at home right like you know on the flip side zoe saldana is more of kind of like the adult in a room kind of voice of reason in her relationship weirdly enough like i don't feel like we get a lot of her in this right like you know she's in she's in the movie um I mean, a decent amount, but like, I don't feel, I feel like they focus on so many other characters that I, I didn't feel like I was getting a lot of Zoe Saldana. Like she did have some good scenes here or there, but like uh, the focus of the film was more so on the uh, the father and the boyfriend relationship. Yeah. And she takes a bit of a backseat. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, not only do um, Ashton and Bernie get like one more screen time, they get most of the comedy in the comedy so i think their scenes um while there's also more of them they're just more memorable just because they're the funnier scenes like she has more like small moments mm-hmm. um just like her and ashton just like messing around and or like maybe a couple moments with her mom maybe a couple moments with her dad too but the big comedy stuff is reserved for the boys in the yeah. remake for sure so i think 
while she does like again the word serviceable <laughs> serviceable and she's great in it um sure. she, she's uh like of the two couples i just maybe it's because they're closer in age mm-hmm. than sydney poitier is to Catherine. um i just i felt like they had a really good back and forth ashton and zoe and they never really discuss their age like he, he, i think it's alluded that she's around 24 mm-hmm. or so we don't know ashton's age but I, they have a lot more moments together too, I think in the remake where it's just, I don't know whether it's just her like trying to like make him understand where her dad's coming from or it's just like, you know, stuff that couples do together. They also have more time though. Right. Because the original movie is in like a four hour window <laughs> and then the remake is like over a course of a weekend or so. Yeah, that original film, it's like, well, I just landed and now my parents just, yeah, they just hopped on a plane now they're here. <laughs> And uh, Spencer Tracy, I love the line where he's like, yeah, yeah, 40 minutes. It's a 40 minute plane. <laughs> like, <laughs> like um, I think there are some things that are uh, funny about the original that are maybe not intentionally funny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know, you're right. Like Zoe Saldana, I, I buy the relationship more, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the yeah. original, though, you know, the movie is about these two people. I think it, the movie is more about the situation um, Joey Drayden, you know, again, she does her job because she's a believable, young, naive person. Right. Zoe Saldana has to navigate um, the relationship with Ashton Kutcher, the relationship with her father as a uh, Bernie Sanders. Oh, what a twist. <laughs> Bernie Sanders is her father. I did that like 20 times last night when I was watching this with, uh, with Pri, and she was like, you're an idiot. I was like, I was like I'm going to do that 50, like 50 times on this podcast. Keep that in. Um, uh, I will. But, That'll be a drinking game too. <laughs> if Reggie says Bernie Sanders anymore. That, that'll probably be the last time because I, I like got it out of my system last night. But, uh, but no, like Bernie Mac and she has this job of making these tender moments believable Mm-hmm. Um, you know, making the relationship feel believable, making her interaction with her father, Bernie Mac, <laughs> um, uh, feel real. And, you know, there are times in the movie where um, I know Ashton Kutcher is supposed to be played to comedic effect, but like, there's so many times he steps in it as a character that I'm like, oh my God, bro, like, what do you like uh the lingerie scene right yeah like, that that was definitely like oh you knew it was gonna happen you knew bernie mac was gonna walk right in at the most awkward moment of that yep. scene and i'm sitting there it's like it's like dude you you started you started bad <laughs> <laughs> you did the nascar thing which will come into play which like that was ridiculous um and now like minutes later like in screen time it's like minutes later even in the timeline of the context of the film it's like what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, yeah, he should hate you because you're 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 an idiot. <laughs> um, but no, I say all that to say that um, she does a good job of making the relationship feel believable. Mm-hmm. She does a really good job when um, with her mother, like those scenes yeah. um, in the film, and just like her interaction, like when she's getting missed calls and stuff like that, and her desire to you know call him back. But you know, there, there's just a lot of moments that Zoe Saldana quietly really helps mm-hmm. keep this film together. Yeah, so I, I guess I kind of mentioned it before, but just um, the timeline, <laughs> uh, the urgency that we have in the original. I mean, not only are they leaving in a few hours, but the couple have only known each other for 10 days. Right. 10 days, 
and they're going to get married in a couple weeks. That is a fast relationship. If my daughter in her early 20s told me she was going to marry a man she just met 10 days ago, I think there, there's your argument. Like, you should not get married. You've right. only had this for 10 days. That's insane to me. Like, it doesn't race. Who cares? Who's a shit about race? 10 days? Right. right. Come on. So, like, I appreciate the remake. Like, well, at least we've been together for this long. I think it's not even that it's much a, longer. It's like so two months. It's uh, six months, unless you count a five oh, right, months right. from when, you know. Yeah. Again, Ashton just inserting his foot into his mouth. <laughs> um, so, Lee, it's a little more months, and you don't know when they're getting married. it's not in a couple of weeks their no, marriage no. you know so it could be a couple of years the engagement so and it's not in the course of one night in a few hours it's right. over the whole weekend so just i don't know that timeline bothered me in the original and i know the original i mean i know the remake didn't really stretch it out by having them only date for five or six months but at least it did spread it out a little bit more so i appreciated that in the remake it's better it's plausible that like after half a year you could get engaged and you know like you mentioned that could be a multi-year process so you know you see how mm -hmm. that goes um yeah no the the original has this completely sort of fabricated timeline to make this premise work um if you really step back and think about it, it's like this is an unnecessary sort of uh tension being created by the scenario like i understand they want to get married and stuff like that you know this idea of why wait it was like why rush right you know, like, <laughs> exactly what's, what's, what's the difference it's like why why do your parents need to you know go out of the way to create this scenario where they're all meeting over dinner so that you two can um uh can get married in like two weeks time even though i just met this guy today like it, you're right there there should have been more of a an uproar but again i i was assuming that it's 1967 i feel like people just had different ideas about that i mean not that different but like i think it was more acceptable to have this sort of love and first sight scenario i don't think practicality again i, I actually don't know but i'm just <laughs> speculating that like people may have been more amenable to that because i think that happened a little bit more than uh more often than like not at the time uh compared to today where i don't know i just feel like everyone's got so many like prospects and memes and dating and there's all these societal rules and stuff like that that we follow um i'm probably just making that shit up though so i'm gonna stop talking <laughs> i don't know just knowing each other for 10 days i just i feel like that should have been addressed more in the original uh, more than anything else <laughs> so I, that that was an issue for me i appreciated the remake stretching out the relationship i agree i also felt like in the remake though they uh although you know they talk about the engagement i feel like they left that on the table, right? Like uh, in terms of the resolution stuff like that, because at that point, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, weren't they going to announce that they were getting engaged or were they already engaged at that point? I think they were already engaged at that point. Okay. Well, then I, I retract that statement as well. Cause I was like, you would think they would have done something like a ring or something like that towards the end of the movie. But if they were already engaged, uh, you know, whatever. But I still feel like that's kind of leaving a smalty moment on the table and but it's an unnecessary addition as a uh, clearly it's not even the movie um should we pivot to the parents now yeah because you know it's the synergy it's like i, I want to have this complete conversation and we can't yeah. without the, the parents exactly all right so let's get into our parents in the original we have 
our bride to be's parents. That's Spencer Tracy playing Matt Drayton. They may mean what they're saying. I accept that, but they don't know what they're doing. And Catherine Hepburn as Christina Drayton. Dr. Prentice, I'm so pleased to meet you. I'll also throw in our doctor's parents, and that is Bean Richards as Mrs. Prentice and Roy E. Glenn Sr. as Mr. Prentice. You are 30 years older than I am. You and your whole lousy generation believes the way it was for you is the way it's got to be. And then the remake, we have Bernie Mac. Um, so we're talking about uh, Zoe Saldana, Teresa's parents. We have Bernie Mac as Percy Jones. I've been wrong for a long time. Ever since I forget that you're my better half. Judith Scott as Marilyn Jones. I love you, Percy. I love you too. I'll also throw in the sister, Kelly Stewart, as Keisha Jones. Oh, where is he? Oh, oh my God, are we being audited? And even the grandfather, who gets a little bit of time there, Lawrence Hilton Jacobs as Joseph Jones. Your grandmother, where'd she live? Brooklyn. Why? I just want to know how far I'd have to travel to kick a whole white ass. This is the one time where I'm going to start with a remake. Uh, yeah. There is an immense focus on Bernie Sanders. God, <laughs> Drink ah. up, everybody. <laughs> he did it again. He did it again. The election's over. <laughs> there is a lot of focus on Bernie Sanders and his policies. And uh, now, um, so there is a lot of focus on Bernie Mac, the comedian, not the politician. Um, and at the beginning of the movie, the first character you see is Bernie Mac. Right. The first thing you see is Bernie Mac, uh, you know, being Bernie Mac. He's being kind of funny. He's trying to write his vows. Uh, he's got, um, I don't know the actor's name offhand, but uh, that guy Reggie that works in his right. office may come back to that. But, but there's a lot of focus on Bernie Mac. And I think that is kind of required for this movie to work because he is kind of, he is the problem, right? The problem in the remake is that Bernie Mac is, doesn't like Ashton Kutcher. Now, part of that is race. Part of that is just, like you mentioned, I don't trust him. But in the remake, there's a lot more focus on the father figure early in the film. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I mean, he quite literally is the star of the entire movie, if you want to be honest. Yeah. In the original, because they're doing this, again, this very delicate dance, right? Like every step of the way, you've got to be introduced to this, the concept of these two dating, right? To the point where you don't even see the parents at first. Uh, it's a big shock to the system that there's an interracial um, relationship. But like you see kind of like uh, the taxi driver when they first come off of the, the plane reacting to them and not really saying anything, but like he looks in the back window, he sees that they're kissing. It's like, okay, these two are a thing. So now the audience knows that. They go to her mother's uh, gallery, uh, her art gallery, and kind of the nosy co-owner or whatever she is, uh, is like, oh my goodness. And, you know, <laughs> makes a big thing about it, uh, phones ahead to her mother. So like, we're getting slowly introduced to society reacting to them. Mm -hmm building up to when the parents finally kind of realize, guess who's coming to dinner? By the time we get to the father, we've had the mother react, we've had Tilly react, we've had 
uh, Hillary, <laughs> the, like I mentioned, from the gallery react. And when we finally get to the father, he is just as important, in my opinion, as Bernie Mac in terms of if this guy doesn't get on board, then the whole thing blows up. But we, we get introduced to him not quite midway through the movie, but fairly close to that, right? And uh, that's a major difference. Like you said, he's an important character. Definitely doesn't get as much screen time as Bernie Mac, but because it ultimately comes down to his decision um, if he's going to give them the blessing. So he, he very much matters as opposed to the remake where it is very much a Bernie Mac show. Like you said, um, he's our first character we're introduced to. We even see pictures of Bernie Mac when he's not <laughs> in, in the scene or like Ashton Kutcher has to live in Bernie's basement. So like Bernie's there. <laughs> His right. presence is just felt like a lot throughout that remake. Um, and he's, he also does sort of carry the weight too because it's almost on him, um, the decision if he's gonna allow them to sort of be together. His relationship, I'd say with his wife, just because it is the Bernie Mac show, he, like he's definitely a little bit more important, right. at least for the plot and what we're dealing with story-wise than um, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn who are a little more even. I'd say Spencer Tracy just has a little bit more because it is ultimately, he has the final say at the end of the day. But um, they have more kind of a back and forth thing because she's more in favor of the relationship. Spencer Tracy's uh, kind of against it. And when he sees her kind of pulling away from his decision, like things between them start to reach ahead. And she ultimately says to him, like, I might have to do something I never thought I'd do. And that was pick my daughter over you. And right. that's a pretty powerful uh, scene in that original film. So, you know, her character is very much goes, you know, toe to toe uh, with the father in the original. You don't really get moments like that in the remake. She what does kind of, you know, leave him for a little bit to get drunk with uh, her sister, but there's no, there's no tension like there was in that original film. No, no, there's not. Catherine Hepburn because she is really the first major character uh, to be aware of this relationship. Um, she just has so much, like you mentioned, she has much more screen time. She's interacting with them. You know, she, she has this great kind of awkward, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. She's like, her, her, sit down. <laughs> like even when without talking, like her eyes just have they glazed up. Like she <laughs> get really teary eyed, like really quick. Like, oh God, like it's, it's really, good facial acting without saying words <laughs> yeah and like you mentioned Catherine Hepburn like she has uh Spencer Tracy's you know she's got Matt Drayden's respect right like they, they I agree with you they are sparring on uh on equal footing for the most part Catherine Hepburn gets to fire Hillary at one point that's a very strong scene mm -hmm. you know he's like this is what I want you to do you go to the gallery <laughs> I want you to you know tell what's your face to take care of this stuff why don't you write a check out five thousand dollars of cash? Why don't you take that check, get all your shit <laughs> out of there, and uh, I don't want like any trace that you ever existed. And it's like, wow, what a major like pow power move. Which is mm -hmm. sure, this is awkward, and um, you know, I'm not racist, but you know, this is a <laughs> scenario. But like, you're not going to disrespect my family, you know? Right. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to be associated with people like you. In the remake, Judas Scott, you know. 
in a lot of ways, her performance, I actually really enjoyed, uh, although she's in a lot of ways underutilized. She's a, just like Zoe Saldana, she's a very grounding force in the film. Like uh, yeah. when there is this tension, um, like there's a funny scene where Mike Epps is the taxi driver and yeah. Bernie Mac thinks <laughs> he's the boyfriend. Um, and you can see Judah Scott's face and her reaction and she has a lot of empathy in her face, kind of similar to what you mentioned with like Catherine Hepburn. I, I think that she does that role very well. The only problem is it's kind of a one, one note thing and it mm-hmm. doesn't really, I mean, she's not really doing anything. She's kind of like quietly watching Bernie Mac just kind of implode this relationship. <laughs> right, right. Um, in a way that you're right, the pushback against uh, Spencer Tracy's Matt Drayton, the pushback is very pronounced and profound, which you're right. It's, it's hey, Matt, I'm, I'm, I can't ride with you on this one. This is, you're making the wrong choice. You're making a, a terrible choice. And I'm going to tell you that uh, to your face, you know? Um, Judith Scott doesn't have that moment. The only moment she really has, like you mentioned, is, okay, you know what? I'm leaving. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're you're being ridiculous. And, you know, Bernie Mac has to come and, you know, plead his case. But it's it's not nearly as strong as what we get from Catherine Hepburn. I mean, yeah. she has so many strong moments in that film. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, yeah, I like what Judith Scott did. Um, again, serviceable. <laughs> Very <Yes>. serviceable. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of a parallel. Her relationship with uh, Bernie Mac is kind of what Zoe Saldana and Ashton Kutcher is just, they're kind of there, the, the loving uh, partner, they're supportive. They're trying to steer their partner in the right direction to make them see the light. The issue of race never really seems to be an issue with her. Like, I don't remember any moment in the movie, you know, there's, the initial awkwardness of it but they never have a moment where it's like oh he's white and that's weird and like she just never seems to have an issue with it she never has to have this moment where she she even comes out and says like i'm on their side like she's yeah she's just kind of (laughs) there and sort of going through the motions but I, i still like uh what she did though that's the thing it's like because of the oxygen that Bernie Mac takes out of the room, what she's able to accomplish with really just her kind of her face and demeanor is actually pretty impressive. But um, again, like, like you mentioned, it doesn't, she's she's not a factor in that, right? Like, like she doesn't care about race, right? Like, uh, you know, the most awkward moment is that Mike Epps scene. And after that, she's just, she's on board, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no ambiguity. She does try to get Bernie Mac to like take it down a notch because he really goes over the top in some of the scenes we were talking about whether, let's put it this way, right? When in this remake, when the women aren't around, the most absurd things happen. Right. Because these two characters are, whether it's a pride thing, whether it's an ego thing, they're willing to go to the go-kart track, <laughs> you know, and um, nearly get run over by cars. They're willing to play football in the house (laughs) the knees like their worst impulses are not checked without their partners um which is an interesting dynamic but again it has nothing to do with uh race now right at all so uh judith scott again i don't want this to become a dirty word but yeah you're right it's serviceable It's Mm -hmm. it's a good performance and i think that she does a really good job towards the end of the film where she's like no 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 make them sweat 
Yeah. You know, uh, if they're going to treat you like this, you got to make them sweat. And it elevates Bernie Mac's character. But again, unfortunately for Zoe Saldana and uh, Judith Scott here, they're kind of pushing up the other actors and they're like getting nothing in return. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they become background, unfortunately. You know, I, I personally think they may be uh, what's actually holding this movie together. It, oh, yeah. I, they, yeah, they're very needed. It, they ground the movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Because otherwise, it's just the Ashton Kutcher and Bernie Mac show. And like you said, they get into the weirdest hijinks when it's just the two of them. Like you said, the go-karts, um, even just Bernie Mac sleeping in the same bed as Ashton Kutcher. It's just like, it's a little over the top. We don't, we don't really need this, do we? But they threw it in. And like I rolled with it. I was like, all right, fine, whatever. I thought the NASCAR thing was funny. I appreciated that. Like, he's like, what? It's the whitest thing out there. <laughs> I can't believe you. Who would have thought he likes NASCAR? And he's got fucking pictures with uh, the driver, Jeff and Jeff Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that, I, I like that joke. But when they went for the like the more absurd stuff, like the go-karts and, and the bed, I, I, you lost me a little bit. So you have these women to kind of ground them and make make it more believable. They bring yeah. a believability and a credibility to this movie, which could be completely absurd. And I don't like those types of movies, especially when you're dealing with this um, type of material. So yeah, they're very needed in this film. I agree. I, I felt like you mentioned like some of the more over the top stuff like the elevator scene, the massage when Bernie Max getting the yeah. massage and shit. Like all that stuff is just kind of absurd. And like you mentioned, I didn't really like that. When the characters had to make their turn and you know start to figure things out, I felt like the movie actually became more fun. You know, when they were trying to be funny, they were losing me. And when right. they like made it more about their interpersonal relationships, you know, as films do, right? Like, it's like okay, mm -hmm. this is this is interesting. Where where is this character's art going? Right. Um, so yeah, very very much the grounding was needed. And when the grounding really stuck, I felt like I was having a lot more fun watching the movie than when they were just getting, you know, I don't need to see Bernie Mac and Ashton Kutcher in like eight different positions right. sleeping in bed. It's like, it's, you're chewing up scenery. Like, yeah. I got it, you know? It kind of reminded me of the In-Laws remake yeah. with Michael Douglas and Al Brooks where it just got a little too crazy at times and i was just like i was really grateful it didn't reach those levels of absurdity for the remake yeah yeah, yeah. i mean without getting too deep into it i i started to appreciate the film as i mentioned before later uh yeah. than early in the film mm -hmm. going back to the original because honestly yeah that's the movie we should be talking about when it comes to this uh these relationships uh as you mentioned like Catherine hepburn being sort of an, another grounding force and being kind of the voice of reason here with the uh, with the Monsignor. It's good that she's on board with the relationship ultimately, right? And what really put her over the top, another character that doesn't get a lot of screen time, but uh, Mrs. Prentice right. in the film. Yeah, Bean Mrs. Richards. Prentice, uh, B. Richards, uh, really kind of put things in a perspective for me. I was like, okay, I'm seeing Catherine Hepburn reaction but once she got to the to the film uh and started to kind of say her piece about like passion love and like you know uh like her line about you know it seems to me that as men get old and they stop worrying about sex you know mm -hmm. um that they forget the reason why uh you know they're in these relationships in the first place and that to me extended 
into actually the Guess Who film as well, which is like Bernie Mac has gotten so caught up in trying to be the man that he forgot mm-hmm. the whole point. And like, that's the parallel between the two movies that I think really stuck, which is that mm-hmm. in Matt Drayden's older age and, um, and being confronted with kind of a demon he never had to, um, he forgot kind of what the, the entire point of like a, a romantic relationship was about. Right. And he let race overtake him. Bernie Mac, the same thing, which is like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> like, you're gonna lose your daughter uh, if you if you keep going down this path. And B. Richards, in the short amount of time that she's in the film, the short amount of time that she spoke, I felt her few lines were actually like, boom, okay, here's that perspective. Let's put it all together and start wrapping things up neatly. So uh, uh, in, in both cases, the mothers in the films are well, specifically the mother uh, in the remake, but like super important characters. Yeah. Going back to what you said, like the fathers kind of being reminded that love is pretty much why this is important. It's the relationship is about love, doesn't race doesn't really matter. Um, the remake, you, he kind of remembers that from Ashton or just like, just from the love he's seeing his daughter and, and then this new guy in her life. In the original, it's definitely more the mother of the doctor, Mrs. Prentice she's the one that sort of sets the wheels in motion in the doc in um matt's head that oh yeah that's what it's really about so i do like that the remake did that that it was actually the couple and what they did and what they were showing him as opposed to now we have a new character who's introduced a little bit later and they're going to be the ones to sort of change your mind yeah i mean she was great in it like she's not in it a lot in the original film mrs prentice but um, when she was there, it mattered what she said because everything she said like made everybody go, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should think of it like that. Very good. Like, again, I love, I like the performance. I'm glad that she's in a movie, but it's a bit too much of a, almost like a deus ex machina. Like she just, yeah. she's the MacGuffin, right? She shows up as like, right. hey guys, you ever think about it like this? <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> you know, Mr. Prentice in like Matt Drayton, become almost interchangeable, really. I mean, yeah. obviously Matt Drain is more important because of, it is ultimately his decision, um, right. uh, being the white lead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, the spirit of those characters, the uh, Mr. Prentice, Matt Drayden, and um, Bernie Mac's Percy Jones, uh, they're the same guy, right? They're the, they're the, mm-hmm. right. the over-serious kind of, too big for their britches dad character who in their attempt to be overprotective are actually being absurdly bigoted uh and they have to come to grips with that which uh you know both films handle it in their own way but there's there's a lot to navigate here my friend <laughs> in these two films but yeah long story short um Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy hold very close to equal weight in terms right. of their performances. Uh, Catherine Hepburn really elevates the uh, the stakes in the film by saying like, hey, I'm with my daughter, like you're, you're messing this up, right? Uh, you get the same thing from Judith Scott in the, uh, in the remake, which is not necessarily because of my daughter, it was like, you're just being an ass. And uh, I'm gonna, we're gonna, you know, this, uh, which we didn't even get into actually, this uh, vow renewal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I completely forgot about that. The the premise of the remake is that Bernie Mac and uh, Judith Scott's characters are going to renew their vows, and that's why Ashton Kutcher is the guess who's coming to sort of dinner or town for the weekend. But um, you know, Judith Scott is the stakes there, and she holds that same kind of ground, which is that like, hey, if you're going to be like this, then this isn't work. You know, the this vow renewal is off. Potentially, this marriage is off. And once these characters realize that they've gone into a territory where they could lose their daughter, uh, or at least their daughter's happiness, you could mm-hmm. lose your wife. Um, it brings them back to sanity, I guess, or reality um, in some ways. It's interesting, but like Judas Scott holds nowhere near as much weight as Catherine Hepburn. Bernie Mac is the star of the show in the remake. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's really all I really have to say about it in terms of uh, those performances. Yeah. I just want to talk a little bit about Mr. Prentice from the original film, because we sure. talked about Mrs. Prentice. You had said that he's pretty much the same thing as Matt Drayton. And I'll agree with you there. He doesn't really bring anything um, too different or new to the table. The only reason I think he might be there is just to show what Matt could be, because um, he's against it and he never changes his mind to the end of the film, right. uh, Mr. Prentice. I'm trying to think of exactly why he was there. I was just thinking maybe to just show that not everybody is just on board with this. Like there can still be some opposition to this. Like, so that everything wasn't in a nice yeah. complete package at the end, that there's still some things that need to be ironed out, but most people are right. on board with this. I think, I think one is to show uh, reinforcement of like the father figures being uh, as father figures, I guess, were in the time in sitcoms and movies and stuff like that, that voice of reason, the reasonable person's like, everyone else has lost their mind. <laughs> uh, you guys think that an inter- interracial marriage is going to work. Uh, us two guys who kind of know a little bit about the world, <laughs> we don't. Um, and it, I think it is important for for Black characters in the movie to be part of sort of reinforcing uh, the racial divide too, because that that is part of it, right? Like when you mm-hmm. have a scenario where you have to walk this kind of like straight line to fit into society and function. Um, Tilly, I think says it, uh, honestly, maybe not the most eloquently, but the most realistic, which is, I don't want this guy getting too, this high fluting guy, I think he's too big for his uh, his people, you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, just cause you're a doctor, just cause you're Idris Elba, you know, you, you can be a super, uh, <laughs> Uh, as they say in this film, a super Negro, but like, hey, you're, still, you're still black. <laughs> um, <laughs> no one cares that you you uh, save kids in Africa. Like you're a black guy and you get, better know your place. Um, and I think that the father is reinforcing that in that sense, which is like that in both movies, the idea of that is to sort of protect the the children as it were by fitting mm-hmm. into these rigid guidelines that they grew up with. But Sort of both films argue that it's not like that anymore, right? Or it, or it won't always be like that. There is space right. for change. And I, I'll tell you what, as, as much as I don't think uh, the Mr. Prentice character is the strongest um, in the film, that scene with Sidney Poitier telling him to get off his back, my, my God, that's a very, very strong scene. Yeah, that, that was actually a really good scene because it's like, 
He's like, you know how much I sacrificed for you? You know what I had to do? You ask your mother. I could never buy her anything nice because I had to put it all for you. He's like, you didn't sacrifice anything. That was that was a great scene yeah. from Sydney Poitier. That's what you're supposed to do, okay? If you have a kid, you're supposed to do that. I don't owe you thing. Yeah. Damn, that is a good argument for that. So, yeah, um, yeah we get a great scene um, with Mr. Prentice. If, but if he definitely mind. has, like, the least, I think, to do. I agree. I agree. But I just wanted to quote a couple lines from that scene just because okay, they, yeah, go they're, they're it's very great scene. <laughs> um, uh, like you mentioned, like uh, Mr. Prince is like, oh, you know, um, you owe me for all the stuff uh, I've done for you. And Sidney Poitier says, no, you owe me um, uh, when you decide to have a kid. Like, uh, you know, from that moment, you owed me for bringing me into this world. But he said, you've got to get off my back. You think of yourself as a colored man. I think of myself as a man. And that is the big kind of distinction here, right? That yes, there's racism and white people uh, are kind of like the enforcers of it in society. But it is important to know that because of the way society is structured that like some of this is a uh, self-dealing too. Like Tilly wants, you know, black people stay in a certain range so that like they don't, you know, get outside society's norms and cause trouble. You know, he call, right. she calls him a troublemaker at, at one point in the film. Um, Sidney Poitier's uh, Prentice rightly identifies like, look, that, I get it. That's the way it was for you. Get off my back. You, you are this yoke, you're this weight on me and you're stopping me from fully realizing myself. And it, you know, that idea of like, you see yourself as colored, as a colored man, I see myself as a man, that is, probably the most powerful message of the movie, which is that like, ultimately, yes, that race should not matter here. It's the man himself that should matter. And you just get a really, really strong scene that by no way you can uh, replicate in our more community remake. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it, if you're gonna introduce a character that doesn't do anything, at least have him be the, uh, <laughs> the punching bag for that scene. That was great. I don't have anything else to add about the, um, the family in the original. I Maybe could we just talk about the sister and grandfather in the remake a little bit? Sure. I guess we could throw like, since the, to me these feel like side characters, you want to throw like a Tilly and a uh, Dorothy in there as well, just to kind of. Yeah, if you want to. Okay. Um, yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, um, all right. Yeah. So, but I want to start with the the immediate family, the sister and grandfather in the remake. So sure. Kelly Stewart is Keisha Jones, and Lawrence Hilton Jacobs is Joseph Jones. So um, Keisha doesn't have like a lot to do. She's sort of just there to make some jokes uh, with Zoe Zeldana's character. Um, very inappropriate jokes in front of her father yeah. at times. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's mostly there just for comedic relief. She might even have funnier scenes than Zoe Zeldana now that I think I about it. I think so, actually. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she has this one scene like, she's like, it doesn't matter if I burn down the house or if I do rob a bank. <laughs> you will always be the girl that brought the white boy home or something like that. So that's pretty funny. And then um, we have the grandfather and he's only really in one scene. And I wanted to get to this scene because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting scene. So it's the scene where there, we have actually have dinner in, uh, in one of these movies. That's one pet peeve of the original. There's no dinner. And guess who's coming to dinner? That's no, right. just kidding. Um, so they're all sitting around <laughs> and um, he's, they're like, um, you didn't tell uh, them about me. It's like, well, or like you're, he said something, the grandfather was not 
in favor of the relationship no. first. He was he was like, well, what, what's wrong with uh, dating a black man? And it's like, well, you know, my grandmother said some weird things too. And then Bernie Mac went, well, what did she say? <laughs> right. It's like, uh, I don't want to say it. And then, um, just, you know, <laughs> she said like the nappy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, he was like, oh, my racist liked without you. being mean <laughs> kind right. of a thing. Right. And, and you know, that that's kind of... Um, Right, that's kind of the stakes in this film, right? Like, uh, right. he's like, "Oh, my grandmother's not malicious." Like, what she said has like racial implications, but like, right. she meant to be nice about Zoe Saldana's right. appearance, but ended up being <laughs> racist. And you know that dynamic comes into play at this dinner party. Was like, what else do white people you know say? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like Ashton Kutcher doing the like, you know, I have a black friend, or in this case, black girlfriend. Um, yeah, one time my uncle said something really appropriate, just uh, uh, excuse me, inappropriate at dinner, and I, I set him straight. <laughs> well, I, what but, did he say? <laughs> I thought this scene, I don't know, like, this is one of those things where I was like screaming at my television. I was like, I was like, don't do it, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's a scary movie. Like, don't go, the, <laughs> don't go down the hallway. You know, he's got some joke, and like the punchline ends up being Afro turf. It's like, okay, all right. I'm, I was light. And yeah. you know, he's got the other one. Uh, what do you call, call uh, yeah, one black man being chased by 300 white men? Yeah. It's, uh, it's Tiger Woods. Oh, PGA Tour. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's all yeah. a lot of little cute jokes, right? And yeah, then, yeah. then it, was, it was nice because, like, I was terrified too. It was like, don't fucking say a goddamn <laughs> word. But, you know, everybody's around the table, you know. <laughs> It is semi-racist the jokes, but they're they're oh, yeah. having fun with it, you know. And they it's good to be able to laugh about some of these things sometimes. Yeah. And then yeah. I kind of like his reasoning, you know. It's like, you know, um, you're gonna let it all out there. That way, there's no uh, barriers or anything. The only way to break barriers is to let it all be out there or something yeah. like that. You know. It's, <laughs> that's his justification for wanting yeah, to say yeah. these jokes in front of everybody. But you know, it it's not the nightmare scenario it could be. Right. <laughs> um so it's Until very it playful at first. Until it is, yeah. Come on now. Can't stop now, baby. Okay, what 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 are, what are three things that a black man can't get? What is that? <laughs> a black eye, a fat lip, and a job. <laughs> I told you I'm gonna kick the board. I thought that you know what, we're probably good after the three black jokes, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you got it. Like there's no need to keep going with this. And like again, this these characters, uh, the the males in uh, the remake live off of pure ego. So Bernie Mac Max just you know egging him on. He's like, come yeah. on, let me get one more joke. It actually, kind of Boondock Saints in there. Yeah, once he takes it too far, and that's the thing, like with race jokes like that, you don't know where the line is until mm -hmm. you've uh, crossed it. Right. <laughs> and, you know, his, his last joke is uh, was more offensive. Uh, I don't think we need to repeat it, but... Uh, <laughs> no, we don't need to. I <laughs> but, do like, oh, the, the grandfather, though, he had, uh, before he started telling the jokes, um, after she said the remark about uh, the hair, um, he's like, what, did your grandma say that between her clan meetings? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> so again, um, very just characters there for support for the comedy. It's a comedy. <laughs> They're not going right. to have a lot of weight in um, these things. But I just want to say that scene in particular could have went south really fast. Yeah. And I think the movie found the balance there. You know, yeah. you could have a little bit of fun with it, but there is a line, <laughs> and then things can take a turn. 
and funny enough, like I can't imagine seeing scene like that again. Maybe, yeah. maybe you know, like it feels kind of of the time, which sounds weird with it being only 15 years prior, but 15 right. years is a long time. Um, I mean, hell, gay people couldn't get married until what, like 2013 or something like that, maybe later. So I can't imagine that scene, at least as it was presented in this movie, uh, in like a more modern mainstream film. But no, uh, I can't see it playing today at all. Yeah, but it, you know, like I said, for uh, for what it's worth, it was uh, it was fun enough. I, I don't have any like major beef with the scene, but very bold to have Ashton Kutcher, yeah. you know, rail through those lines. And uh, I think it, I think it was important for uh, character building again too, because like yeah. Zoe Saldana's like. I told you <laughs> i told you that was too much uh but you know no but just to add what you said yeah i don't think i could see that um being played for a modern audience there's just too much outrage and just cancel culture right away it's like people yeah. like they don't have a sense of humor about anything they hear anything like remotely might have had like a hint of racism in it and they're like well that's just racist and it's just wrong to like laugh at that but it was just refreshing to see like oh yeah this is a little bit racist but you know we could we could laugh at it a little yeah. bit because it, yeah. it is it is cute and a little bit funny too so it was just refreshing to see that yeah especially like in context right i think that right, like right. a lot of things require exactly. context um to work you know like fashion culture is just like you know yeah you're saying it to a conference. bunch of his white buddies in yeah. that yeah, exactly work. Like if he's at a press conference about the movie, he's like, "Yeah, I got some black jokes." Like, yeah, yeah. okay, we got a problem. But like, it's a character, you know, it's right, a character right, right. That he's playing. Um, <clears throat> I thought that was good. Like you mentioned, I thought the sister, um, in a lot of ways, like I was saying, like Tilly in the other movie, I think the sister brings a lot of uh, how do you put it? Like uh, some of the societal norms into play here, which is she does make this joke about bringing the white boy home, and it, it shows someone that's like appear to them who's like not racist, right? Mm -hmm. But she's like, oh shit, you know how dad is. You brought a white guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm good, you know? And it puts things into context, you know? Um, I she think has that, a great moment with Bernie Mac. She's like, oh, did you know that uh, he's white? <laughs> I just wanted to see her face again when I said that. So anyway, she's got some good funny moments in there. Yeah, yeah. For, for a very side character, uh, actually a pretty solid one, like the mm -hmm. question, like asking him about like uh, Ashton Kutcher's uh, dick. She's like, yeah. what's it like? <laughs> like, oh yeah, it sings. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then they bring it up later during dinner. He's like, I hey, yeah. you're a good singer. He's like, what? what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Bass, a tenor. What are you, what I heard you can sing with? very long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like those jokes to me, like you mentioned, worked better. Oh yeah, over the top. Like I don't yeah, need to see absolutely. you guys at the go kart track. Yeah, you know, you're, you're both grown ass men. I don't need to see you being stupid. Again, like the tender moments when they when they bring it into, like I mentioned before, interpersonal. The Ashton Kutcher and Bernie Mac scenes that work the best, or like when Ashton, like you're not keeping your frame, you know, in the dancing <laughs> like that. They really bonded uh, those characters by that right. point. Um, because of their own stupidity of getting stuck in the house by themselves because they mm -hmm. chased their uh, their uh, their wives and you know fiance away. In the original movie, this isn't really a one to one, but let's just no. knock this character out. There is a uh, obviously we brought up Tilly, who is the Drayden's uh, maid, I guess um, housekeeper. Yeah, like who's played by Isabel Sanford. There's mm -hmm. also uh, randomly. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Basically, a hot black chick that uh, helps Tilly out sometimes. Uh, her name is Dorothy, played by Barbara Randolph. And 
Just you're the only reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. Got to swing, baby. You got to swing. Um, so, again, the only reason I really bring them up is, to me, they they fill a similar role, right? Like, the grandfather has his own expectations of, like, uh, interracial relationships. And, like you mentioned, is saying, why couldn't you pick um, um, a Black man to date? Till he kind of fits that role, which is like, hey, brother, I don't know what you're doing here. I don't know what you're up to. But, you're, you know, you're not really where you're supposed to be. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of her take. And then Dorothy, who really doesn't even have, like, a real speaking line. To me, and again, I could be reading into this, but to me, she was there the same way the sister was to kind of show a more modern interpretation of like uh, interracial relationships because, you know, she's going dancing with this, uh, this white delivery man. Uh, they don't seem to have a problem interacting with each other. They don't seem to have an issue with, uh, with race, you know? Again, there's not much to glean from that interaction, but like, that's important, right? It's important to see other young people breaking down those barriers. So though not really a major character at all, Dorothy, I think it was, it wasn't really important for her to be in a movie, but I thought it was relevant because of uh, seeing another interracial relationship potentially uh, playing out. Yeah, I I mean, you explained it better than I could because I was like, okay, she's cute, uh, but she didn't really do anything. She likes to dance, <laughs> I know that, but I was just like, what was the point of that character? But now that you say it, like, oh, maybe they are romantically involved, her and the uh, delivery boy. Like, I didn't even see them as romantically involved. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think part of that is uh, also because it is 1967. I don't think they want to say that part out loud, right? Like, I think mm -hmm. it's it's very much implied. Um, you know, why else would you go dancing with the delivery guy, right? Like, not even saying they're dating, but like they're at least friendly. They, yeah, you know, they interact with each other. They don't see each other at least from what i can tell they don't see each other as a uh, not co-equal right. um so again it, it's a very small minor like moment with a very strangely minor character uh but like i i think that there is some importance to seeing that because i think it is a commentary of saying that yes the old guard does not think that this will work but i mean very very truly in the uh in re the real world, I think you brought this up, there was real world legislation that was gonna make like interracial marriage legal, you know, mm -hmm. everywhere, you know, like, so the times they, they were a changing, they really were. And this movie is like smack dab in, in it, right? Like yeah. it's bringing up commentary at a time where things were changing. Yeah, 60 days after this movie finished filming, the Love versus Virginia Supreme Court hearing happened which repealed the the 17 states that said interracial marriage was illegal it, it said that that was unconstitutional so interracial marriage was legal before the film was released but after they were done filming so it's like yeah they were right there right right like there's a line um tilly says about oh, you must think uh martin luther king <laughs> something like that yeah. um and at the time martin luther king uh jr was still alive actually yeah, that's insane him assassination and they actually uh i was reading up that they pulled that line um after right. his death yep. from, uh, from the film. tv broadcasts it's fascinating i mean like the one kind of caveat that i really say about this original film is very much uh this the real world states put this film into a perspective that uh that you know this remake was not going to match but i think that the remake 
wisely knew that they weren't in that same right. scenario and worked around that while still loosely keeping some of the subject matter. Yeah, I mean, it's probably part of the reason they made it a comedy because they're like, well, the amount of weight it was for an interracial couple to be together in 1967 before that law was repealed. Um, it's a lot more weight than 2005 where it's like, it's 2005 now. Right. Um, it's pretty much, or it's very common, you know, so. Yeah, and uh, even before they filmed more random trivia, uh, I think it was around 2003, like probably around when Bernie first had the uh, the script. He was saying, that, you know, look, the interracial marriage thing is not really a big deal anymore. Yeah. So, you know, that obviously, you know, like there's yeah. a big difference there. Um, and again, you don't want to try to go drama for drama against no. Sidney Fortier, uh, Spencer Tracy, and Captain Hepburn. You're going to you're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's a couple other characters we can maybe talk about. You already kind of mentioned Hillary. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if you want to talk about her, but there's also the Monsignor, played by Cecil Kellaway. I don't know if you wanted to bring him up at all. He's just this priest friend, um, friends with the parents. They're they have yeah. no religious affiliation, I'll just say, uh, but they do hang out with this Monsignor just as a friend, and he's uh, very much in favor of the young couple, so he's just clashing a little bit with uh, Matt. The one He had one interesting quote, I guess I could say. It was like, sort of like, you know, checking, calling your liberal bluff or something like that, something along those lines, right? Uh, just because, you know, they raised their <laughs> daughter to not see skin color as something superior to others and uh it's like well let's see if uh <laughs> let's see if you can follow through with that by allowing this relationship to happen so i just i thought he was it was an okay character um he was just always in favor of, of a couple mm -hmm. and um he had some funny moments with uh matt when he's trying to get ready and like nothing's just going his way there's some more of the comedic moments i guess yeah with the priest yeah, yeah totally uh, Monsignor, yeah, I think he's an important character because uh, more than anyone, right, um, he knows and respects Matt Drayton, right? Um, they have this long-standing relationship. Like you mentioned, um, I think they intentionally make the, this kind of liberal couple not religious as well because uh, we are, we're not having any sort of indication of how their religion plays into their decision right. about race as well. And like you mentioned, Monsignor... Pretty pretty strong character, you know. Like you said, he calls Matt a phony, <laughs> your phony liberalism, <laughs> uh, and right, you know, he's he's tickled kind of pink because like you've been you've been preaching. I'm the preacher, but like you've been preaching this liberalism your entire life. Here it is, right mm -hmm. there in your face. You know, like uh, how are you going to react? And you know, Matt is failing spectacularly <laughs> in his uh, <laughs> in his reaction and. You know, I think that it's important to have the, the Monsignor there for certain scenes just because uh, he uh, he's kind of like a buttress, as it were, for uh, Captain Hepburn's character. Like they can kind of speak freely about the situation that's happening in a way that Matt Drayden's character has not come around to yet. So I, I thought that that was, uh, that was interesting. Um, I think it was important to see someone that, like from that generation I think you make him a priest so that it makes sense that he's so kind of right. open. Um, 
I think it's important to see someone in that generation kind of being like, yeah, what's the problem? I've done interracial marriages before. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a unique scenario. There are going to be issues and stuff like that, but like it works. So, you know, there's a guy with real world experience with it. Um, who's seeing a guy with theoretical experience with these ideas. And he's saying, Oh, Hey man, here's the real deal. How are you, how are you going to react? And, uh, it's a good character. Um, there's not really an equivalent in the remake for no. uh, the the metrosexual. <laughs> uh, no, definitely not. No, but getting back to the Monsignor, yeah, you brought up a good point. He is um, that peer of theirs that is in favor of it. That shows you that there is nothing wrong with this. And I'm of your generation. I don't see the issue here. So you really shouldn't have any reservations about it either. And yeah, there is no equivalent in that remake there's nobody that bernie kind of confides in or has to kind of work his thoughts out with it's just not there i mean honestly there's more sort of uh communication about relationships with the women in the uh film i mean yeah again it's not really necessarily about race but more about like right you know dating and marriage and stuff I, f- I found that scene to be actually a lot of fun in that movie too, when the, the women are at the house and they're drinking like their like frozen margaritas and mm-hmm. yucking it up. And then the guy comes out and goes, it's my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, a little, little more laid back, a little more grounded, but it works. I, I love those scenes. Like if you said, like we've said over and over again, I love those scenes a lot better than the over the top go-kart scenes. It's, it's just such a funny, fun scene. It's like all the girls saying like, yeah, when they get like this and they think they're running stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. we, we're the ones holding the power and uh, the guy comes out and, like, he tries to, you know, kind of <laughs> the same way that Bernie Mac does. He's like, oh, I got work in the morning. Y'all need to bring that. Like, I, I know people like that. Like, I, <laughs> when the movie finds a tone in realism, right. uh, you know, I know we said this before, but we'll say it again. It works. And when the movie is trying to be over the top, it doesn't. You don't have those problems with the original because like you're seeing here with the Monsignor and other characters is this movie is very much grounded in realism. Um, everything about this scenario is very real and, and uh, I guess prescient in everyone's mind. And uh, not only are they looking at their current scenario and how it makes them feel, they're thinking down the road. They're thinking about 10 years from now. What's it going to be like if you have kids? What's it going to be mm-hmm. like um, if you're traveling certain places? So like there's a lot of concerns about the future uh, in the original film. In a remake, no, it's not really concerned about the future. I think there's more concern about like uh, interpersonal dynamics between the genders. And when they find that tone and they get away from race actually is when they're actually at its best. I know you referenced like um, the Hillary character as well. Um, Hillary St. George played by Virginia Christine. Um, I don't have really a lot to say about her. I, I do want to kind of give a nod to the actress because, you know, it, it's a sort of funny character. She's like uh, another phony liberal that's like, oh, here's something to gossip about. Right, right. And it, it's worth having her in the movie to have her get told off because it elevated Captain Hepburn's character right. immensely. So just um, trying to f- figure out, like, I like that scene, but like, why exactly did she get fired? I know she's kind of like, very disingenuine uh, with her life. You know, I hope you guys are happy and hope you uh, have like a great life together. Um, but she never really 
did she say anything like or do anything specifically that was just I, like well I that mean, was fucked up i mean she's mostly like uh, she's like oh i feel so bad for you i can't believe this is happening to you and um but i feel like she was gonna take her out there to fire her before she starts because she says all that stuff when they're outside that's true that's true i think really the whole point of that scene is like I, I took her as kind of like a gossip. It's like she she's the first one that has to call you. Guess mm. who's uh, coming to dinner? You know, like right. she knows a little secret. Um, she could tip her off, and she doesn't. She could have just called her and said, "Hey, uh, you know, whatever whatever file or something right. that she called about. Um, need you to be on that." But she came there to gawk, and she came there to be in her business. And I think that's ultimately what led to her firing, which is that you know what, I know why you're here. You know right. why you're here, and uh, it's inappropriate. And you know, we're not more or less like we're not friends. So, uh, <laughs> uh, based on this behavior, uh, you can you can pack your shit. You know, that okay. that was my take. That that makes a little more sense to me. Yeah. It's just like you're you're not coming here to do your job. You're just coming here to get a little more information, just whatever you can to gossip. And mm-hmm. yeah, who needs people like that, nah, uh, especially I mean, as employees? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like I'm, I'm paying your paychecks, and you're over here, you know judging me it's like yeah you can go judge me uh in, in the bread line or whatever you know like get out of here exactly okay I, lo- I love it too that like uh Catherine uh Hewden's uh Joey Joey's like you should fire her she's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was good that she didn't like well guess what I just did I'm awesome it's like no I, she's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very it's nice <laughs> it, it's it's a great character display here which is like yeah, yeah, maybe I should fire her. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, she knows she fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really cool. I, I agree. It was a really cool scene. Is there anything else we want to talk about character-wise? Did you want to talk about the metrosexual? Maybe, not loosely, maybe, right? That was Dante, right, in the film? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So Yeah, there's this kind of weird joke going on that didn't definitely didn't age well. No, it didn't age well. Um, so Robert Curtis Brown plays kind of like the wedding planner um pretty much yeah his, his character's name is dante he's in the film more than the sister so i i guess that's why i'm bringing him up but like more or less like again it this movie the remake all the hang-ups are on i almost said sanders again but uh, all the hang-ups <laughs> on bernie mac right. and he's the one that's acting inappropriately right he's right. the one that can't deal with uh a white boyfriend. He's the one that like this guy's helping you run your uh your vow renewal, and you're over here saying, "I don't know. I don't want him seeing me without my pants on and all yeah. this other stuff." And it's like, "Hey, dude, what what what's up with that, right?" Um, and you know, we get kind of this, I guess, kind of funny joke at the end of like his wife smoking. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, okay, <laughs> cool. The the metrosexual guy uh has a hot wife, but it's like again, I think that does fit into the overall arc of the movie, which is that Bernie Mac, uh, Percy Jones is being, uh, homophobic. He's being, uh, you know, bigoted and stuff like that in a lot of ways. And it's not, not, it's not how it works anymore. Mm -hmm. And in fact, like all of your stereotypes and, um, presumptions end up getting flipped on you and turned, turned around. It's like, you know, Again, not not the most important or influential character, but he fits into that story arc. Um, so I, that's why I wanted to bring him up because I thought he was a decent character, not super important, but decent. Um, and again, it shows 
a shortcoming of Bernie Max uh, Jones and something that gives us a, an arc for us to like move past, although he doesn't really resolve the fact that he was being uh, uh, a little homophobic. Yeah. <laughs> to say. He just kind of sits in it and is like, it's like, oh, well, he has a hot wife, so it's okay. It's like, well, it would have been okay if he was gay too. It's right, okay. Right. <laughs> doesn't have to have a hot wife. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, uh, the film <laughs> misses the mark in some ways there. It, uh, it did. But, you know, it's not the first or last place it misses the mark. But, you know, um, hmm. I, I just think that, look, it's not 2005 anymore, basically. It. Yeah. I mean, we've seen some gay jokes in some other early 2000 movies that definitely didn't age well. So as far as this one goes, it's not that it's bad light, as compared know, to some of the other ones. Yeah. It's like, and uh, again, it actually, uh, in some ways to bring it up, it does also give Judith Scott's character another time to shine, which is like, nah, it's not like that. You know, uh, he's, a, he's a straight man that takes care of himself. And again, regardless right. of, and she even says it herself, even if he wasn't, you know, shouldn't matter. Right. So just another juxtaposition is like, hey, Bernie Mac, quit it. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's got a little bit of that toxic masculinity kind of thrown about. Like, even when he meets Ashton Kutcher, he's like, oh, you don't like sports? What kind of man doesn't? Like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Well, like, most of them actually, <laughs> you know, like uh, most men actually don't watch sports. <laughs> most people don't watch sports, you know, but whatever. Um, All right. I mean, I just wanted to talk about, there's only one other thing I want to talk about. That's Cranford. Okay. Cranford. I, I just wanted to talk about Cranford. So the remake does take place in Cranford, New Jersey. And um, as somebody who worked there <laughs> for a few years and I lived pretty close, I lived in Roselle Park. So I had to drive through Cranford um, to get to work. It was just, it was really cool to see Cranford yeah. kind of on display there. There weren't too many scenes um, that I yeah. recognized. Uh, There's the one scene where he's driving Ashton Kutcher to the hotel. I was like, oh, well, that's Cranford. I've been there, that's near the train station. And they kind of go there again when he's at the train station. The train yeah. station's not the Cranford train station. That's a, that's a different train station they used in yeah, the film. Yeah, kind of like Elizabeth, actually. I don't know I, which I'm one I'm not was. familiar with what train station they used, but it's definitely not the Cranford one. Cranford one's a lot smaller and has a bigger yeah. parking lot. But I just thought it was cool to see um, some New Jersey and uh, these films. A New Jersey area that I'm very familiar with. So, yay. Yeah. I thought it was cool that it was Jersey. And then uh, when he's, <laughs> when the train's on the station and he's parking, I'm like, there's no way, he's never gonna get, <laughs> you're not gonna get up there on time. <laughs> and when he doesn't, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like that, that train would have been gone, my friend. <laughs> well, just inside baseball for the Jersey people. Um, I, you know, the fun thing about being shot in Cranford is again, we do get to see more of uh, uh, Bernie Mac being ridiculous, like the hotel scene, like you were saying, which is like, like you invite the guy over and you knew like a week ago you weren't going to let him stay in your house like you know kind of a dick move mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah and the new jersey location makes sense because of the jp oliver uh career that Ashton right. Kutcher has like yeah. he's working on wall street so yeah close enough fun, fun little nod I, I enjoyed that too what do you think about the glory of love the music the yeah the glory of love song from the original film it's kind of like the title track and then they sing it again at the uh at the bar when when joey drayton introduced him to her kind of like liberal peers at the bar i don't remember it at the bar i remember it um during the opening though i think when they're flying in probably yeah, yeah they're flying in is i mean the only reason i bring it up is it's kind of cheesy <laughs> yeah it, it was 
the movie rarely feels dated the original it's like pretty much the music and then that one scene where everybody's just randomly dancing it really yeah. just it's like okay this is the 60s yeah <laughs> you know it because of this cheesy song and then this terrible dancing that they're just doing when they're walking so um it wasn't that great i didn't really like it and it dates the film yeah it, it's uh in the lyrics like you gotta win a little lose a little and have the blues a little and i'm like all right look i got it right black guy marrying a white lady i understand um and and like it's it's a little subtle, but like when they like go into that bar scene, the uh, the woman that's like the lounge singer is singing that song. Oh yeah, I do remember that now too. And the yeah. conversation again, uh, like you mentioned, part of the reason I brought it up was I know you're the music guy, and I was like, this feels a little like you said dated, a little cheesy. Um, and you're right, I, I think that that's a great commentary you have there, which is I was surprised by how much the film wasn't dated when I watched it. Like, it's like, this is right. Yeah. Pretty, pretty clean film all around. Even just um, like the way they talked, they didn't, they didn't use any like linguo, like, like that's groovy or anything, you know, they didn't, whatever the sixties <laughs> linguo yeah. was back then. Yeah. Um, so it was just really the music and that dancing that was just like brought me out of it. Yeah. Like th it did take me out of it a little bit. Like, Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm watching a, a very old film. I think, I think the, reason that it doesn't feel like it age much is because it very much feels like a um feels like a play right mm -hmm. um although yeah. yes it's a movie but like there's these very specific set pieces it's usually like two characters kind of one-on-one -on -one talking to each other maybe three and uh i could see this being a production of like in any theater yeah um, yeah that's that's a good point i didn't even think about that but you're absolutely right because it's it's a very minimal set and yeah it's just mostly just characters talking and everything so yeah you definitely do that for the original film not with the remake not of those go-kart scenes though you're not gonna get a go-kart in <laughs> one stage we can talk about the music and the remake a little bit there's, there's some comedic <laughs> tracks oh played. that was fun yeah yeah that was so, actually um, fun yeah, so when uh, Bernie Mac and Ashton are driving to the hotel, they're trying to listen to the radio. And then, like, every song on the radio is just about, like, race and, like, or black and white people coming together. And it was funny because when they're on their way there, I'm like, oh, they totally dropped the ball by not playing Ebony and Ivory. And on the yeah. way back, sure yeah. enough, Ebony and Ivory comes yeah. up. I'm like, oh, you, you got some good points there. Uh, remake uh, putting in that song. And so yeah. That, yeah, just moments like that. Give me more moments like that. Yeah. Not this over-the-top elevator scene and stuff. Yeah, like the Louis song, the Lou Reed song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the, color, the colored girls go, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fun. Like, that that kind of, like, awkward side of, like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, that was, that was cool. I like that. Like we said before, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but, like, that's when the movie works, man. Like, right. these small interpersonal moments. We didn't really talk about the ending, though. I think we should talk about the ending and let's talk about the endings then. <laughs> the original film, right? There's all this tension, right? The, they're gonna meet the parents and that happens and it's it's awkward. And like I said, Sidney Poitier's character basically gives uh, the parents an ultimatum, which is, I didn't tell Joey this, but if you don't approve of this marriage, it's not gonna happen. And it leads to all this tension, like I mentioned, very much like a play set piece after set piece, ultimately ending in uh, Matt Drayden, uh, Spencer Tracy's one of his final, really his final um, scene, uh, yeah. where he finally comes to this conclusion, right? I've heard what everyone had to say, and he has this 
very, very good monologue where he goes through kind of the the merits of the case, as it were. <laughs> and he, he's basically contending against what Mrs. Prentice said, which is that he forgot what love is. And he has this very impassioned speech about like, if you kids have half of what right. of the love that I knew with uh, with your mother, then uh, then this is going to work, right? It's a very powerful monologue. Um, it's a beautiful scene, and uh, Catherine Hepburn, because of her own relationship with Spencer Tracy and sort of where his health was at the time, you could see her face, and I'm like, wow, what great acting! But like, it's really her reacting to someone that she loved, um, really dying in front of her giving this, this beautiful monologue um and you know it is a it is a beautiful kind of capstone to the film it's like all right we've been through everything this is my verdict love beats out racism um now let's go have dinner and we never see them eat dinner like you mentioned right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, versus the remake which is you know they after their wife percy's wife leaves them and you know, Ashen's on the out with uh, with Zoe Saldana's character. They come back together. The the vow renewal still happens. Um, Percy does his vows, right? Well, he doesn't do his vows, which is weird. <laughs> um, uh, he sings uh, whatever that song is. Um, and, you know, it's just really just a feel-good ending, right? Like, uh, everyone's dancing. He does a tango. Um, I thought it was kind of weird that they ended it with, like, they're watching the DVD, I guess, sometime later of the uh yeah the vow renewal but more or less it's it's fluff very you know wrapped up in a neat bow everyone got back together ash is back in good graces um you don't really have like an impassioned speech but you do have like these characters are being themselves and they finally have realized like uh it's important to have this like respect and trust amongst each other and you know it all works out but yeah. i don't have much more about that ending well i guess uh i'll just go a little bit back um, for where you started in the remake because they're going to have the ceremony. Bernie Mac and his wife, they made up. Um, but Ashton and Zoe Saldana, they actually had a falling out and they said they ended the engagement. So he, um, Ashton Kutcher's like, all right, I guess I'll leave. And then Bernie Mac has like a little bit of a conversation with his daughter. And then that's when he finds out that they were actually engaged. And he's right. like, oh, wow. And then he's like kind of getting ready in the mirror. He looks at a picture of his daughter and he's just like, damn it because <laughs> he knows he's got to do the right thing he's got to make right. things right and then that's when he um goes to the train station drives through cranford i've i've walked there drunk it's awesome <laughs> um and uh yeah he runs into ashton and that's when he brings up something that like we said before it was a little bit forced like yeah i know you quit your job because your boss didn't like that you were gonna get married to a black girl yeah it's like how did how did he know that I, and, where did that come from? That comes out of nowhere. Completely out of nowhere. And um, Ashton Kutcher's character is like, well, he didn't exactly use those words. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I so I was sitting there, right? Because you know I worked in finance. Um, and it's two thousand five, so like the financial crash hasn't happened. If you worked at J.P. Oliver, or like basically J.P. Morgan, and your manager <laughs> said that uh, don't marry that black chick. Cause she's black. Yes, quit your job, get your lawyer. Yeah, get your lawyer. <laughs> get paid, baby. That's right, lawyer up. That's what all you had to do, man. Lawyer. <laughs> Cause I mean, whatever. It, like you said, it's it's a kind of forced moment, which is like, okay, 
Bernie finally uh, respects him because he realizes that the reason he doesn't have a job is because, you know, he stood up for himself, I guess. And mm, his daughter and, I guess. I don't know. I didn't like that. I feel like it comes, it comes out of nowhere. It kind of takes away like, well, maybe you could just respect him for just seeing the way uh, his son just loves his daughter and just the right. way that she loves him. But we had to throw this in last minute and it's like, really is that really why he quit his job like i'm not even sure it's true when i'm hearing him say that right but apparently it is and it's like how'd you find out i told you i'm a loans officer i know people i could figure this stuff out it's like i don't know that was one of the weaker moments uh, in that ending for me yeah just uh if there was some implication that that was coming you know right um, yeah that that would help even if like in the scene with uh when he finds out he's blackballed um Maybe he could have said something on the phone, which was like, you know, this is bull. Like he knows why, uh, right. why I left. You know, this, you know, this is whatever. But you're right. Like we're we're about five minutes, ten minutes right. from the movie being done, and it's just like your boss is being real racist, wasn't he? Yes, he <laughs> was. Uh huh. Well, you did the right thing. Didn't really work. Yeah. Didn't really. But work. yeah, he ultimately right. brings him home and like. Ashton starts singing the song terribly and <laughs> wins yeah. his girl back. So yeah, it's um, it's the ending you expect, I guess, yeah. from this kind of comedy. It, fun little moment, right? Like, because um, they kind of burn the vows on the scene of him getting yeah. back. Yeah, so yeah, it was like, yeah. You can't have two impassioned speeches. It was like, I wasn't it so weird though the way he did it though, because like she just did her vows and was like. This is how much I care about. She's like, told you, told you I don't want to do no vows. <laughs> like, <laughs> gotta be me. And I just start singing. I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a thing. And he has to, because he already gave a lot. So he had to get something, you know, yeah. I guess. The, the Kutcher scene where he does uh, the bump, bump, bump song, the, uh, the uh, B2K uh, classic. <laughs> really weird tonally, right? Like, um, yeah, because he's also kind of doing like a Bernie Mac impression at the same time yeah. too. So it's, it's just like this is not going. You're well. in the doghouse. You're <laughs> the only white guy. Everyone else is black. You're doing a like a popular like black pop song at the time. It's like not the time, dude. Like, that's why you're sitting in Cranford by yourself. <laughs> Read the room, Ashton. Come yeah. on. Uh, what do you call three hundred white guys? <laughs> 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 But no, I'm glad you did circle back because I think that was important to note that the end of that remake had that element that I just think they wanted to meet the level of the previous film, uh, the original, on some level. Yeah. By having there be like a serious moment. Mm -hmm. But this is not a, a serious uh, film. No. So You didn't need it, ultimately. No. Nah. But, you know, whatever. It doesn't like kill the movie, but it's just a weak uh, plot point. Yeah. Ultimately, just kind of forget about that part <laughs> you don't need it yeah all right now is the time for verdicts reggie okay i'm not gonna lie to you um at this point i'm still undecided about this so i'm gonna try to work my way through this okay um the original film is not a perfect film but it is a very very good film and a very important film uh so much so that like literally i think the library of congress like in 2017 was like yeah this film is important <laughs> so it's going to be uh stored you know archived forever as like a monumental piece of history so 
this, there's just so many reasons why that film works, why it's good, why it's important. Like Sidney Portier and like his third um, kind of like major you know, film like that, that made a lot of money. It changed the way that people thought about black people in films and saying, wait a minute, you can market a movie with a black guy as a lead? Uh, Idris Elba? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, Spencer Tracy's last, um, last role and just like that monologue, you know, as sick as he was, like the fact that he was able to finish filming and get that in the can, it's beautiful. You know, um, Catherine Hepburn really uh, was really, really good in it. Um, and again, her own history with Spencer Tracy, just the fact that all these people came together to make this, this film that stands this kind of test of time, even though it's from a dated sort of period in a, honestly, an ugly period in American history. Um, you know, it's just really impressive. Like I was, I was thoroughly impressed by the film and I enjoyed it. If I'm comparing this remake to that, no, no shot in hell, nope, not. Uh, from that perspective, this, uh, this remake shouldn't exist, right? Like it, as a remake to Guess Who's Coming Home to Dinner, no, uh, you're, you're not you're not that. And I would argue that this film is so loosely based on it that it's really not that. This remake doesn't say anything really about race relations that needed to be said. It doesn't hold any real weight or substance in that sense. But as a, um, as a comedy um, and based on the performances all around, it's a decent movie, right? It's serviceable. And from that perspective, uh, I'm gonna say that the remake should not exist uh, because it doesn't hold a candle to the, uh, the original film. Um, however, taking that out of the equation, it is a serviceable movie. I would say that if you wanna watch it, do it's like, it's not elevated or a great film, but it's a funny enough comedy. It's worth seeing Bernie Mac uh, having a little bit of fun. It's worth seeing Ashton Kutcher, as you mentioned, one of his better performances. I can't recommend it as a remake that should exist, though. But I can recommend it as like a movie you could watch. So that's that's where I've landed. Fair enough. Uh, you brought up a good point. Uh, the remake isn't exactly a remake, um, just because the way it approaches the subject matter just isn't with the same sort of intensity, I guess, for lack of a better term. And it's a completely different genre. It is a comedy, while the other one's more of a drama. Um, I'm just trying to think like how would you make a modern guess who's coming to dinner how of could you i mean where do you set it in the wire or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just to give it that grit <laughs> that it would need um idris elba again god damn <laughs> um it does work as a comedy right um you know it's definitely a lighter take <laughs> a much lighter take on the subject matter but it, it still addresses like what what is it like for these different, not necessarily races, but just like different backgrounds just coming together. And like, there's gonna be that culture clash a little bit, a little bit of a back and forth. And like you said, the performances are very serviceable. And yeah, I found myself laughing a lot. That scene, that dinner scene uh, with the black jokes, like I said, I was nervous out of my mind, like how, how racist is this gonna be? This is gonna be so fucking weird, but they found the balance in that scene. and uh, I enjoyed it and um it's not really like a one-to-one -one remake but i did find myself enjoying it so 
I'm a little bit, I'm going to be a little bit lighter on this one, Reggie. And I'm going to say this one should exist just because I, I enjoyed it. It's not great when like in the definition of a remake, because it's not really a remake. It's more like a sort of a nice like tribute or right? a, yeah, like an adaptation or a spiritual successor. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to go that route. But um, yeah, I just I enjoyed it enough. It wasn't the stupid, absurd comedy I was afraid it would be. And by surpassing my expectations in that area, by having Zoe Saldana and Judith Scott in there, yeah, they're not yuck, yuck funny, but you know, they ground the movie, they give it the heart. And I, I really like their moments in the movie. And Ashton and Bernie do have some good moments. They have some stupid over the top moments, but they do have some good moments too. So it did enough to win me over where I think it should exist. I think that's just probably the the tone, right? Like that's it, right? Like uh, there was enough going for it. And like you mentioned, Saldana and Scott's performance. I, I was really thoroughly impressed by Judith Scott throughout the film. I, for some reason, I just, she was my favorite part of the movie um, in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, it's like, I, I don't want like uh, for like our audience to be like, oh, this, remake shouldn't exist like you know can you know can the movie i think the movie actually like really navigated an impossible task in a way that uh like you mentioned i was very surprised by it too um you know like i said this is this is not going into the library of congress no. <laughs> um that's not gonna happen but yeah man there was some uh there was enough there right there was enough there um so yeah uh still standing by my verdict as a guess who's remake nah shouldn't exist but as a film, yeah, I think it should. So if that wishy-washy response from me is, uh, <laughs> is what you're getting. All right. So that's what we thought of the films. What did you guys think? Let us know in the comments below. What are we going to do for the next episode, Reggie? I picked this one. So, yes, oh. you picked this one. Um, this was yeah. kind of like, so we were coming off our Christmas thing with Miracle on 34th Street. Okay. This, this was like our sort of like a holiday, you know, New Year type of thing, which is like, you know, dinner with the family type deal, right? Um, I'm gonna go with like a, a pure winter film and uh, we're gonna watch The Thing. Okay. <laughs> you know, a, a nice chilly <laughs> movie. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, so The Thing is our next episode. All right, well, Thanks for listening, everybody. We're Retro versus Remake. You can find us on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, other stuff, I'm sure. What am I missing, Reggie? Uh, that, you know, in terms of audio, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, Google Play, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah. We're not on and SoundCloud, if, though. Not on SoundCloud. Yeah, and if you can give us any thumbs ups or... Um, subscribe to us on youtube or that five star on itunes that would greatly help us to grow this because we enjoy doing this a lot hope you guys enjoy listening to it well i am dan bulick i'm reggie parker and this has been another episode of retro, retro versus, versus remake wakanda edition <laughs> <laughs>